Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Edmonton Oilers struggles continued last night after a heartbreaking loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Canadians and Carey Price are red hot. Uh, they've got a little win streak going together there in Montreal. Big trade this week with the Ducks and the Devils. And Ian Cole, Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman, is he on the trading block? We're going to be covering all that and more in episode four of Outside the Glass. How's it going, everybody? I'm Thomas Robertson, your host. we got an exciting slate of topics for you guys today. First, we're going to get it going with some recaps. We had... A good slate of games last night. We're not going to quite reach them all, but we got a few notable games to talk about. The Kings took on the Caps last night in Washington, and this Kings team has had quite a streaky season. They had lost three in a row uh, a few games before last night, and then they got a win streak going, and they beat the Capitals 5-2 to two last night. Now they've won three in a row. So three losses in a row. Now they've turned it around and won three in a row. The Capitals had won three in a row coming into that game, including wins over the Lightning and the Maple Leafs. So they were getting something going there in terms of beating some top teams, but that's a tough three-game stretch that they had with Tampa Bay, Toronto, and the Los Angeles Kings all in a row. So pretty good for them to get four points out of those games. And last night, a big thing that jumped out at me, even though this Capitals team did lose, is Evgeny Kuznetsov was flying around the ice. And Backstrom has been the feature center in Washington for a long time, ever since Ovechkin came into the league. And what we're seeing right now is Kuznetsov almost kind of taking the torch from Backstrom and becoming that that go-to center in Washington. And he started off the year on the line with Ovechkin, but has, has since been split up with him. They put they put Backstrom and Ovechkin back together to kind of get Ovechkin going because he was on a, a little bit of a goal-scoring drought, and it seemed to work as Ovechkin's had. Uh, he had five goals in the previous three games leading up to the Kings game last night. None in the Kings game last night, though. But it was really impressive. Kuznetsov, he was flying around the ice. Great stick handling. He had two goals, both goals for the Caps. It's a really impressive showing for him. Big event last night for the Canucks as Daniel Sedin reached his thousandth point in the NHL. As the Canucks beat the Predators 5-3, to the Predators were 10-1-1 in their last 12 going into last night's game against the Canucks, but the Canucks were not going to be denied. They had a lot of energy coming into that game. I think the team was really excited for Daniel to go out there. I think once they, he came in with 998 points, and once he got that first assist... I think the team could kind of feel that he was going to get there, and they rallied around him. He ended up getting three points, a goal, and two assists. And it ended up being the goal that was the thousandth point. The team wanted to swarm the ice and kind of celebrate with him. I would have loved to see that, but 
you never know with the strictness of the league nowadays that they could have been fined or something like that. So probably good to show that restraint. And Brock Besser, another big story in Vancouver. He was actually just today, he was just named the NHL Rookie of the Month for November. He's had 11 goals and 5 assists in 15 games in November. Just edging out Matt Barzell for that honor for Rookie of the Month. And he had 2 goals and an assist last night. And one of those goals last night was just nasty. That curl, actually both goals were sick. First one had it was, just came seconds after the Preds had scored, and he comes comes down the ice, sick curl and drag move, and fires at top left corner. Another goal, just displaying his sick hands in front of the net. Uh, a couple quick dekes, completely undressed the goaltender, and just puts it into the open net. So this kid's got some seriously nice hands. He's just got a knack for goal scoring, and. I think we're going to see him continue to have a lot of success in the league. Still not sure who's going to be hoisting that Calder Trophy at the end of the year. I really like this Barzell kid. I've been talking about him a lot. But Besser's really been impressing me um, in terms of this last stretch of games. Three points last night. He really looked phenomenal. One of the, one of the most exciting games last night. Besides that Oilers game, which we're going to get to in a little bit, it was an absolute wild ride. But the Stars and the Hawks got together last night in Chicago. It was part of the Stars' uh, father's trip. They had all the they had all the dads up there in Chicago, and Stars have been looking really good lately. They've won three in a row, and I think what you saw in this game is a couple instances that really cost the Blackhawks with a couple of their veteran defensemen. I think you saw Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook get burned a couple of times. And it ended up being costly for this Blackhawks team. And the Stars ended up winning 4-3 to three in overtime. And it really came down to the fact that these two veteran defensemen, they, they just got exposed a couple of times out there on the ice. And I've been thinking a lot about it recently. Is, is this era of domination for the Blackhawks over? You know, they won three cups in a, in a span of only about six, six years. And in today's NHL, that's pretty much as close as you're going to get to a dynasty. And... I think the answer for in terms of are they going to is their domination over is their era over? I mean, I think that answer is honestly yes, and not because you know they have they still have a great core, and I think we're going to see them make the playoffs for years to come now. But in terms of the success that they had had getting all of those cups, to me, it started with that that defensive core with all those pieces that they had with Oduya and Jalmerson and Keith and Seabrook in their primes, and, and that's starting to go away. You know, they don't have Oduya anymore. They don't have Jalmerson. They don't have a lot of those pieces that they used to have. The pieces they still do have are are aging, and they're aging pretty poorly. They've got Corey Crawford in that, who's having one of the best seasons of his career, but I don't know if that's enough to continue to dominate like they used to dominate, you know. And a couple, a couple of the instances that I'm talking about are in the second period. The game was was knotted at two-two, and 
Keith, Duncan Keith was moving the puck around his goal. He was behind his own goal, coming around with speed and moves it to, to Brent Seabrook on the right side, going up the boards. And as he's about to cross the blue line, he just kind of chips the puck ahead. And it ends up hitting a Stars player right in front of him. It was just a really lame and tame-looking attempt at dumping the puck out of the zone. And it hits a Stars man. They move it up. And Duncan Key's sitting back there in the zone. Kind of left all alone from that turnover from Seabrook. But uh, Yanmark gets... Or Remy Ellie gets the puck, sorry. And he just blows by Duncan Keith. It's not even close. And he's he puts on a sick move because he has time to put on a sick move. Duncan Keith's nowhere to be found and puts it in the back of the net. So uh, a couple things there is that in today's NHL with all the speed that there is, Duncan Keith has got to have the wherewithal to, even though you, you, you can't expect your guy to turn the puck over, you got to have the wherewithal to, to kind of be on your toes and not get caught flat-footed, which is, is exactly what he did, and he got blown by for the goal. And in terms of Seabrook, you know, you see that turnover a decent amount, but again, it, it's one of those cases where, where you'd really like to have a, a guy that can skate the puck out of the zone there, and he had room to do it. He had room to cut into the left a little bit, and you know, at least get it into the neutral zone and then chip it from there. But he tried to chip it up the boards and, you know, there's a stars man there skating back and was hovering around the boards and he was able to keep it into the neutral zone and move it up for his team. So that's just a couple of things that I've been seeing from this Blackhawks defensive core that have not impressed me again in overtime. The stars have the puck. It bounces out to the neutral zone the Stars D-man's there to chip it back up and gets it to Tyler Sagan in the corner right at the blue line on the boards. And he just kind of chips it behind him. And the puck's just kind of floating around the blue line. And Yanmark picks it up. Not even with speed, you know. He's just kind of there. He, he didn't accelerate from farther back in the neutral zone to pick up the puck. He was right in that area. And then accelerates as he's picking up the puck. And again, Duncan Keith just gets blown by completely. It's not one of those cases where... Keith is flat-footed. The other guy's coming with speed. They're both at nearly a standstill, and Keith just gets completely blown by for the overtime goal. So, you know, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, they're 34 and 32 respectively, so they're getting up there, and and it's definitely noticeable because they've lost, it seems like they've lost a lot of their get-up-and-go, and they're just getting beat for for bad goals in terms of what you want to see from your defenseman. So that's a, that's the main concern that I have with this Blackhawks team. I, I'm not saying that they're going to you know finish last in the in their division or finish last in the West, but it's definitely something to keep keep an eye on if you're a Blackhawks fan. And it's one I think it's one of the big reasons they got swept in the first round last year. I wouldn't be surprised. I I, I expect this team to make the playoffs, but I would not be surprised to see them take another first round exit based off what we're seeing from this defensive core, especially when it gets later in the season and we start seeing some fatigue from these guys. And so that's what I'm seeing with this Blackhawks team right now. And it's not cause for optimism in Chicago, that's for sure. Now to, to the game that was really shocking last night. And 
a game that probably a lot of people were looking forward to watching in terms of the star power that was definitely there. We had Toronto and Edmonton facing off. And Toronto came away with a 6-4 victory. Uh, Laurent Brassois was in, was in net for the Oilers. Brassois. And he was in net for the Oilers because Cam Talbot's been placed on injured reserve. He's going to be missing a, a, at least another game. So he'll be tested. And he was tested last night. And that's not good news for this Oilers team because... Brassard has, has played seven games this season, has no wins, a .876 save percentage, and a .361 goals allowed average. And those numbers are absolutely disgusting. And that's really troubling for this Oilers team. Um, They're going to have to get their act together in front of Brassard because you can't expect him to to win games for you like Talbot did last season. And Talbot hasn't necessarily done that for this team this season. But that's cause for concern right off the bat looking at Brassard's numbers this year. And, you know, Austin Matthews and McDavid each had a goal in this game. They both had solid performances. But the real story was Chris Russell. He actually scored a goal for each team last night, <laughs> if you can believe that. Uh, it was just an absolutely shocking finish to this game. The Oilers, going into the third period, were down 4-3. to three, And Chris Russell gets the puck. And he gets the puck right around the right circle, top of the right circle, maybe a little closer to the blue line, and fires home a one-timer, beautiful placement, goes clean past Frederick Anderson for the goal, ties it up 4-4. Four to four. And, you know, all, all is well in Edmonton, you know, still still nervous time, 4-4. Four to four. But you're coming in to the last minute of the game, it's still knotted at 4-4, four to four. and Patrick Marlowe come, brings the puck into the zone for Toronto, puts on a nice little move, and, and fires the puck. Broussard makes the save, but it kicks out into the high slot area. And Chris Russell's there for Edmonton. He's kind of trying to settle down the puck, but Nazem Kadri being kind of the, the the houndish, the hound dog type player that he is, is right up on him. He's, he's pressuring Russell, so he's not really able to settle the puck. And Russell's back is to the net, and he kind of panics. And it looks like he turns to kind of shoot the puck into the into the corner boards behind his own goal. At least that's the only thing that I could that I could see was his rationale because he just turns and fires it, and it goes five hole and into his own net. I mean, Chris Russell just fired the, like you should watch. You should go watch this replay, Chris Russell gets the puck off of the rebound and just turns and fires at home. It was a beauty of a goal and really nice snipe, but unfortunately it was on his own net. And I just can't think of what was going through his head. Again, like I said, the only thing that I could think that he was possibly trying to do is just turning it and firing it towards his own corner boards and, you know, trying to just get the puck out of the slot. But that's just... 
I mean, Kadri was kind of was like goal side on him, so he had room to just try to chip it out towards the blue line into the neutral zone. But again, I I don't know. I guess Kadri put pressure on him and he just didn't know what to do and turns and fires it and it ends up in the back of the net. So a really heartbreaking ending for the Oilers. They had won two in a row coming into this game. Would have been a huge win for them to to, to string three wins in a row, especially against an impressive Toronto team. But they lost in heartbreaking fashion. Kadri puts in an empty netter. And the Maple Leafs win 6-4. And one of the biggest stories in the NHL right now is Montreal. This team... I think a lot of people... I, 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 for one, was absolutely bashing on them last week. I think a lot of other people were, were really low on them too. And... I don't know if they hurt us or if it's just Carey Price coming back because this team's won four in a row. They won every game since Carey Price has come back and they won 6-3 to three over the Red Wings last night. Detroit jumped out to a 2-1 lead in this game uh, off a beauty of a play by, by Gustav Nyquist and Tomas Tatar. And it was just really smooth play on the power play. Nice two-man game. Tatar puts it in the top right corner. But after that, Montreal scored five unanswered goals, which is just something we haven't seen from them this season at all. We, we, we haven't seen this team put it all together in terms of having a game where they can where they can just light the lamp repeatedly. And it came it came in different ways for them. They the big guys that, that they need to be scoring goals scored goals. They had Brandon Gallagher with two goals, and he was just getting to the dirty areas. He had a couple of tip-ins to get those two goals, and that's exactly what you want to see when, when your team's been struggling to score. you got to have people get to the front of the net. It's exactly what Gallagher's done. It's exactly what he did last night. It's what he's been doing all season. And Max Pacioretty, you know, getting on the score sheet is huge for them. Because that's the guy that they expect. That's that's really the only guy that I was that that I see on this roster that has the ability to get a 40, 45 goal season. And he's done it before. So big to see those two guys get on the score sheet. You know, those are the guys that they need to lean on. But the big thing for them last night was they also got the secondary scoring. You know, Hudon had a thirteen game goalless streak coming into this game, and he finally gets on on the score sheet once again. I believe that's his third goal of the season. That's huge for them. Galchenyuk got on the score sheet. That's 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 really big for them. There's been a lot of you know speculation about Galchenyuk this season and what his expectations were and what he's actually done and kind of how the coaches handle him, putting him on that on those lower third and fourth lines. You know they expected him to be a top six guy for them. So it's good to see him get on the score sheet. And Andrew Shaw also getting on the score sheet. So those are a couple guys. Galchenyuk's had six on the season. Shaw's had six. Hudon, again, only three goals this season. So they're going to need those guys to continue to produce and get goals. But like we said, this team's on a four-game winning streak. And the last night they did it with goal scoring because they, they did allow three goals. But they were able to get six to get that win. But the story before that in those earlier three games was it's all it was all Carey Price. Uh, Carey Price, he was out from November 3rd to November 25th, almost a full month. And at the time that this injury happened, 
everyone was talking about it's you know the team was saying that it was just a minor injury he'll be back but he ended up missing a lot more time than anybody had anticipated and so he you know almost gone gone over three weeks and he comes back first game back against the Buffalo Sabres shuts him out uh, 36 I believe it was a 36 save shutout performance from Gary Price comes back the next game against a tough tough Blue Jackets team and only allows one goal on 37 shots uh, next game only allows one goal so it, it was really Carey Price that carried this team for the three games before that incredible performance including last night so in this four game winning streak Price had a one two five goals allowed average and 32 saves per game with a 962 save percentage. I mean, that's that's lights out. That's the carry price that Montreal is used to seeing. And it's really good to see if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, uh, to see your best player winning games for you. And that it's undoubtedly true that Carey Price is Montreal's best player. They don't have, I've talked about it a lot, they don't have the forwards. You know, last night we saw it, and Pacioretty, you know, I do think he can be that guy, but he hasn't been that this season. Got He get a goal last night. Brandon Gallagher showing that he could be a 40-goal scorer. So if those two guys, you know, if Gallagher continues to play the way he's been playing and Pacioretty steps his game up to what we all know, then who knows? This team could do some damage. They got... 12 wins, 12 losses, 12 regulation losses. So they're back to around 500. And I'm still not high on this team. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But what they've shown in these past four games in terms of winning in different ways, you know, carry prices come up big, but last night the goal scoring came up big. So they're going to have to do it in different ways because you can't lean on Carey Price. You can't, no matter who the goaltender is, you can't lean on a goaltender and expect him to win you those games. You can't count on it. It could happen with it with a goalie the caliber of Carey Price, but you cannot rely on that. And another concern that I have, it's it's a little confusing to me, is that this goaltender was out for over three weeks and he comes back. And he's started four games in six days. So if you do the math, there's obviously a back-to-back in there. And there's no two-day breaks in there. So that's that's a lot of work for a goaltender, especially, to, you know, you, we haven't seen that a lot in, in the NHL, especially this season, in terms of goalies starting back-to-back games. So that's puzzling to me, especially for a guy that just came off an injury a lower body injury when he when he had a severe lower body injury not too long ago before this season. So I'm I'm very curious about that scenario. I know this team it's early, but yeah, this team is borderline desperate coming into before this four game winning streak. They they were borderline desperate. The fans in Montreal were definitely getting frustrated, but I mean, still, this is your biggest asset that you have, your highest paid player, the highest paid goaltender. And coming off a three-week injury, you're going to start him four games in six days? I mean, that's a lot of work for any goaltender, much less a guy that's shown fragility 
recently and over the course of his entire career. So they can't continue to do that. I understand trying to get back, and it, it worked. You know, Carey Price led them to four games, to four game, to four wins in a row. But they can't. I, they cannot continue to do that for the rest of the season. It's going to be very dangerous to do that with this goaltender. You don't want to risk a long term injury with this guy. So I'm not saying start him only every other game. You know, but I I, I don't think they can continue to start him on back to backs like this, especially if there's not a multiple day break after that back-to-back, which they don't have. They play again tomorrow. So, they've got to be careful with how they work Carey Price with his history. And they have to continue to win games in other ways besides just leaning on him. And working off of that, we had a big trade in the NHL this week. New Jersey and Anaheim connected for a deal that a lot of people are calling a very even trade and involved a couple of players that are are pretty key players not you know they're not stars or at least they didn't have that star media coverage around them like Matt Duchesne had but a couple really solid guys in this league that were involved the Devils send center Adam Henrique and forward Joseph Blandisi and also a 2018 third rounder to the Ducks in exchange for defenseman Sammy Vatanen and a conditional third rounder. So essentially what you see is the Ducks gave away a conditional third rounder and the Devils gave away a 2018 third rounder. So it kind of boils down to Adam Henrique and Joseph Blandisi in exchange for Sammy Vatanen. And... The bottom line is that both teams do get what they need here. That's the bottom line is that absolutely the Ducks needed a center. If you've been following that that situation, uh, they have some of their best players uh, down with injury. And they just happen to all be centers, unfortunately for them. Ryan Getzloff's out. Ryan Kessler's out. And Ricard Raquel is out. And those are all guys that, that have been starting at center for this Ducks team. You know, Getzloff... Is, is looking to be out for, for quite some time with, with some fa- – he got nailed with a puck. He's got some facial injuries. Kessler's looking to be out. He's been out for a while, probably going to be out for, for a decent amount of time looking forward. And Raquel's been out for a few games. So they desperate – I mean, that's three centers that, that start and that get minutes for them. So they desperately needed a center. And they get a really good one in Adam Henrique. They get a versatile one and a guy that can do a lot of different things – He's got 14 points on the season, and he's notched 40 points or more in each of his NHL seasons that he's played, except for the lockout. And so, so he can definitely produce, but his biggest strengths are actually like he was a big locker room guy for that New Jersey team. So that could be an interesting blow to that Devils team in terms of they got a lot of young guys, and, and Henrique was kind of a leader in that locker room. And also, Henrique really eats up minutes. You know, he's over 18 minutes a game for that Devils team and played a lot on the penalty kill, around three minutes per game on the penalty kill, which is a lot of minutes. So he can do a lot of things. He plays great defense and he can actually produce points 
very well in this league. So that's the Ducks get a really great piece there. Blendisi might have a chance to play. Didn't look like he was going to get that chance in New Jersey with, with all those young forwards there. But he might get a chance to play in Anaheim. But the big piece there is Adam Henrique in terms of what the Devils sent. And it could be a big loss for them. But the thing to look at here is the Devils... The Devils perceived that they really needed a top four defenseman. And I I can't disagree. That defense core has not been the worst in the league by any means, but they've been looking for a right-handed defenseman for quite some time, going back to the beginning of the offseason when they went after Kevin Shattenkirk. And Kevin Shattenkirk was a free agent after his time in Washington. And... He, he ended up, the Devils ended up court, trying to court him, but he had been looking to go to the Rangers for a while. It's his hometown team. He grew up a Ranger fan. So it was kind of a well-known thing that Shattenkirk wanted to go to the Rangers. The Devils still gave it their best effort because they really wanted a guy like Shattenkirk, a right-handed D that can move the puck. And they end up getting a, a very similar piece in Vatanen. I don't. Uh, he's no Shattenkirk to me, in terms of his skill set. It's his skill set is very similar. He, he's a puck moving guy. He can lead your power play. He's got a decent shot, and he, he yes, he's a bona fide top four D in this league. So he's he's a guy that's had a positive plus minus in each of his seasons in the league. Each of his five seasons. So this is a guy that's going to fit in well with this Devils team. But, and you know, everyone's talking about even trade, even really even trade. I don't necessarily agree with that. I do think that both teams get what they need. Don't get me wrong. It benefits both teams. But I do think that the Devils are losing more than what the Ducks are losing. Because I think this Ducks team has a really nice defensive core. And, yeah, the Devils also have a great core of forwards, but there are a lot of young guys on, on, on that team. And, like I said, Henrique is, a, is more than just a guy that can do what he can do on the ice, which is a lot, by the way. He's also a leader in that locker room. So, I do think that while both teams get what they need, and I, if I was the Devils GM, I would probably do this same trade. It, I, did, I do think it hurts the Devils a little bit more than it hurts the Ducks. But overall, again, great trade. And, and in terms of trades, there's been a lot of speculation around another guy, another defenseman, uh, in terms of Ian Cole with Pittsburgh. So all week, you know, Jason Mackey, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, first, first broke this story in terms that that the penguins want to move Ian Cole. And Ian Cole's a guy that's been with this Pittsburgh team. Uh, he's one of their better defensemen. He's a solid guy that, that can shut down top top offensive lines. And he blocks shots in term with the best of them in this league. He's blocked almost 200 shots last season. So um, Mackey from the Post Gazette was talking about a few teams that might be trying to court Ian Cole. And on that list was Colorado, the Golden Knights, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
So when you look at those situations, I think that the thought is that with Colorado is that, yeah, they're, they're, they're weak on defense. They're looking for, for some pieces there, but Ian Cole is going to be a guy that's going to draw a decent, a decent price. He's, he's a guy, I think he's even more valuable than what you saw Sammy Vatanen draw. And that was a pretty hefty price for the Devils in terms of paying with a guy that was a leader for them. And Ian Cole, I think, is even more solid guy, especially if you're looking to lock down your blue line and try to shut down teams from a defensive standpoint. Ian Cole is a guy that can come in and change that mentality pretty instantly. And... So I think the thought is that Colorado has the pieces to acquire Ian Cole with what they got in the Duchesne trade. But to me, that rationale doesn't make as much sense because I see Colorado as a team that's in it for the long haul, that is doing a full-on rebuild. And the evidence of that would be just trading one of their best forwards in Matt Duchesne, the star guy there. He's the guy that sold tickets for Colorado and they traded him for and, and they traded him for nobody that was proven in the NHL. They traded him for picks and prospects. So to me, that tells me that they're in full rebuild mode. So why would you take the pieces that you acquired for Duchesne and then move them for another guy that's 28 going on 29 years old and kind of interrupt your rebuild in such a blatant way. To me, that doesn't make any sense. You know, they got a Samuel Girard from that trade, from that Duchesne trade, who who is up and coming in terms of a defenseman that they've been giving ice time and that has performed pretty well for them. So I don't see why they would want to trade those pieces that they're going to rely on building around to get a guy that is not someone that you think of of being able to build around in terms of he is getting up there in age. Great defenseman, don't get me wrong, and I think that he would immediately improve this Avalanche team, but he would not improve them near he would not nearly improve them enough to be a win now team and to be a team that could make it to the conference finals, much less the playoffs. So I don't see that being I mean Colorado may go after him, but I don't see that being the most sensible option in terms of these three teams. Vegas, kind of the same way. I see them as having a pretty strong defense core already. In fact, I think that's one of the strongest parts about this team. And their forward group is also pretty strong in terms of not necessarily star power, but they've just got a lot of chemistry with with what they've been doing, and everybody's bought into that system of just throwing pucks on net relentlessly. So I don't think you want to change that. I don't think you want to change what's going on there. They acquired a good amount of picks from trading, from making trades in order for teams to protect more players or protect certain players that the Golden Knights might have wanted. They were able to maneuver that very well. And I think those are assets that they're not going to want to give up. In terms of what they have on the ice right now, I don't think they want to give up any of their forwards, which is what Pittsburgh's going to be looking for. They're going to be looking for more scoring depth in terms of what I see with that team. That's really what they need right now. So 
I don't think it's going to be smart for Vegas to move any of their depth scoring guys either because of how well everybody's bought in and the chemistry. You don't want to break that up. That's one of the strongest things that they have when I watch this team is everybody's on the same page. Nobody's playing for themselves. They've they've all bought into the, the greater goal of what this team has in mind. And... Again, their defense is already pretty fairly strong. I don't really think they need Ian Cole. Every team needs a guy like Ian Cole, but Vegas has they don't have that specific need at D to make them go out and give up what I think Pittsburgh is going to be asking for. So that's a few reasons why I don't think Colorado and Vegas are necessarily the best landing spots for Ian Cole and the best situation to really get a deal done third team Toronto Maple Leafs on the other hand I I absolutely see as a perfect spot and a perfect potential landing zone for Ian Cole and here's why the Maple Leafs are one of the best scoring teams in the league in terms of you have the Tampa Bay Lightning but so much of their scoring is coming from Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos but what you see in, in Toronto is more of a depth situation. They have so many different guys in double digits. So many young guys. Austin Matthews is by no means carrying this team. He's got so many different guys around him. Connor Brown, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, veterans like Patrick Marlowe. So there's so many guys there that can score. And their blue line, even though they're, they have like 17 wins... They're actually letting in goals. Their goals allowed is above the league average by, I believe, by six goals. They've let in over 80 goals this season. The league average is 75. So their obvious need, Frederick Anderson's played so well, even with that stat, but their obvious need right now is on the blue line. It's clear if you watch this team that the only thing holding them back from being the best team in the league and from being a clear Stanley Cup favorite is their blue line. They don't have the shutdown guy that they need or the shutdown pair that they need to hold off top lines in this league. So I think that they have enough in terms of forwards where if they give up a piece, they'll still be in a really great spot in terms of the forwards that they have. And I think if Ian Cole comes in there, he immediately changes the complexion of this team and makes them a contender. Not not just a contender, but a, a favorite to win the Stanley Cup. And there, I think it's no question... To me, it's absolutely no question that at some point in the season before the deadline, they're going to bolster their blue line. So, And I think this is just the perfect opportunity to do that because I don't think we're going to see many better guys become available before the deadline that are as proven and as defensive-minded and as shut-down capable as Ian Cole. So I think they can, they can afford to give up a piece that's skating for them right now and I think that they should have no problem giving up a pick and a prospect as well because of all of the guys the proven young talent that they have right now so I think that's going to make the most sense in terms of if we see a deal getting done anytime soon I think it's going to be with Toronto 
And it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because they had scratched Ian Cole for a few games and it seems like he's set to return to the lineup tonight. So we'll, we'll be tracking future developments of that and seeing what happens there. And in terms of the last thing I want to talk about, we've got a few games happening tonight. Uh, talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, they go into Buffalo tonight to take on the Sabres. Sabres have been struggling mightily this season. Ian Cole, again, coming back into that lineup. I think we see no uh, no problem the Penguins winning there. Um, they're going to be away. So, I don't know. The, the puck line, to me, is not a bad option. Money line, I think, is a really safe bet in terms of putting your money on Pittsburgh. Wouldn't touch the over-under. Don't know what's going to happen there. Islanders hosting the Senators tonight. The Senators have been absolutely terrible. Lost a lot of games in a row. The Islanders have been a pretty hot team. I think you go with them all the way tonight, and I think you go with the over. I think Isles in the over this season has been a, a fairly safe bet most nights. Rangers host Carolina tonight. Mika Zibanejad has been out with a concussion so he's the biggest piece on this Ranger team, undoubtedly. He is their go-to guy and the guy that they really lean on for points when they need them. He's got over 25 points, I believe, this season. Been putting up a lot of goals. Over, Well, he's definitely been a double-digit goal scorer. So they're missing him tonight. This Carolina team has a lot of dangerous pieces. I think Hurricanes' money line could be a nice, uh, a nice bet if you're looking for more of an underdog bet. Not sure if they're favored or not, but I think that could definitely be a nice bet, putting your money on the Hurricanes there. Blue Jackets host the Ducks tonight. Again, we've talked about the Ducks a lot today with that trade, with Adam Henrique getting in there, but this Blue Jackets team has been really strong all season, so... I expect them to win this game at home, especially even though they've added Henrique. They still have a lot of issues with their depth just because of injury. They made the move they needed to. I don't. You can't really make another move. You just have to wait for those guys to get back from injury. So I like this Blue Jackets team tonight at home all day. Even the puck line minus one and a half. Go ahead and put your money down on them. I expect them to win by at least two goals. Panthers host the Sharks tonight. This Panther team has, has a lot of talent up front, you know, with with Barkoff. They've got they've got guys that can make plays. And this Sharks team on the road, you know, they've got a good record this season, but for some reason I'm really feeling Florida tonight. Not don't you know, don't get bold with the puck line, but money line. If you're if you're looking for a good line, the Panthers are could could be a nice bet for you. It looks like they're actually minus one ten, so it's about even right there with that game. So I, I don't hate Florida in that game at all. I think that they've been kind of waiting to break out offensively with those top guys, and that tonight could be a night where they do that. Big matchup in the West with the Blues and the Kings. Blues are minus 160, it looks like. Minus one, 
minus one ninety five. It looks like it's changed to. So the Kings have a great have great odds right now, plus one sixty five. They're coming off a win against Washington last night. Again, we talked about that streakiness that they've had. Well, they're on a win streak right now, and uh, this Blues team is one of the best in the league, no doubt. But when this Kings team is hot, when they're when they're winning games. They tend to play really, really well when they're streaking in the right direction. So Kings on the road is going to be a really good line if you want to if you want to risk it a little bit with them on the money line. I think that's a really nice bet in terms of the payoff that you're going to be looking at. Jets host the Golden Knights tonight. Boy, that's a toughie. These are two great teams, and Jets at home I think is tough to go against this season, especially if Halibut's in net. Look for that goaltender matchup. But I really like the Jets this season. I've been pretty high on them on the show. Again, all three phases have been fantastic. Bufflin's fit in. He's he's not really... He's kind of tamed his game back in terms of what this team wants him to do. And it's fit really well for that blue line. Shifley, Patrick Lane, Blake Wheeler, those guys have played fantastic hockey. And then again, Hellebuck's been an absolute boss in net. So I like the Jets at home tonight, absolutely. And the Devils go on the road in Colorado. I like that over for sure in the Mile High City. In terms of a final, In terms of a result in that game... It's going to be really close. So puck line either way is going to be interesting. Uh, if you take whoever's favored, probably probably the Devils. So that Avalanche plus one and a half, it's going to be horrible odds. But I think it's going to be a close game. Honestly, not not don't really know what to tell you in terms of that game. Wouldn't be surprised to see the Devils win by one goal, but I like the over tonight in Colorado. And that's going to wrap up the show today, guys. Thank you for sticking with me for these 45 minutes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You've been listening to Outside the Glass, presented by Pure Sports Net. Follow us on Twitter at Pure Sports Net, at Pure Sports NHL. Whatever sport coverage you're looking for, we got it. NFL, MLB, college football and basketball. So check us out on Twitter. Website's coming in January. Thanks again, guys, for listening and have a great one. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.